take you far. Why, that song could be about Chicken Boy, for he has long, long legs. That is a fact. And you ask, who is Chicken Boy? I am your podcast interlocutor, welcoming you to Hole in the Air, where, in order to discover more truths about Chicken Boy, our intrepid podcast team grills not Chicken Boy, but Amy Inouye, keeper of his sanctuary and protector of the realm. Let us begin. We're here in Highland Park at the studio of Amy Inouye. Amy is a, has been a, a remarkable asset to the city of Los Angeles and to the people who know her and the communities surrounding wherever she happens to call her home or and or her studio. But uh, perhaps most notably, it's Chicken Boy, the home of Chicken Boy, where we're at, as well as uh, Future Studio, mm-hmm. uh, Amy's uh, place of work and uh and uh the oh, by the way amy you are an art director is that fair to say i guess i usually say book designer because that's, that's mostly what i do these days and we do want to hear about that some okay. of the great books you have uh, been central to making available to uh, astounded readers everywhere but um, maybe we can just hone in on that most majestic yet somehow imponderable uh, legendary figure, which is Chicken Boy. Mm-hmm. Um, so how about a physical description by you of, of Chicken Boy? Does that work? Absolutely. So he is a fiberglass statue um, vintage circa 1950s, 1960s that used to be all over the place. He's 22 feet tall. He's got the body of a really muscular man because uh, typically they were Paul Bunyan sculptures. But Chicken Boy was, um, what's the word? He was custom made. His head was custom made. Culturally appropriated. Okay, (laughs) culturally appropriated with a chicken's head. And instead of holding an axe, he holds a bucket of chicken. So he's he's unusual, strange, quirky, weird on any number of levels. So to begin with, this is on Route sixty six, correct? Yes, this part of Figueroa. Yes, was that a was that because of the Route sixty six iconic statues and things? Was that a decision that you made to have this studio here so you could erect him on Route sixty six? That was a happy accident because we figured out after we moved here that where his former roost was down on Broadway downtown was also historic Route 66. And then, honestly, we did not know this was historic Route 66 when we first came here. A neighbor had to point it out to us, and it was like, oh, my gosh, meant to be was another sort of magical moment in the life of Chicken Boy. And Chicken Boy uh, first got the attention of his fandom when he was placed atop the uh, place. The, am I correct? The, the, his first uh, appearance before the public was being on top of a chicken f- sort of fast food yes. uh, he, establishment. He was, the si- he was the sign for a restaurant also called Chicken Boy that was down on Broadway. And it was fast food. It was just a storefront um, 
I actually never ate there, so I can't tell you too much except for anecdotally. And I have many, many stories about what it may or may not taste like. I <laughs> actually did eat there, oh, but I don't have any stories or memory All right. much beyond that I ate there. Okay. I had always heard garlic was always the descriptor of, of the chicken. I also heard delicious, and I also heard inedible. So, you know, I mean, it's pretty L.A. (laughs) But aren't we all deliciously inedible in some way or other? Exactly. It's such a good L.A. story, right? So so he was up there for how long, roughly, do you know? Roughly, to the best of the research that I did, he was put up in the late 60s. So he was, even for his, um, for that kind of roadside vernacular architecture icon was a little bit late um but late 60s and then i basically came into possession of him in the mid 80s so he wasn't up really for that long and since you mentioned uh the the fact that when he came into being um Perhaps it's fair to say the whole tradition of an experience of roadside attractions uh, and advertising to some extent uh, has been on the decline in terms of the sheer numbers of some of the extraordinary, bizarre times pieces of artwork that were all over the place in this country, especially dotting certain major uh, roadways. Um, Can you just touch on that briefly to say to mention a few of the classic examples that maybe have moved you the most well yeah absolutely um the the thing my part of my story is when i was a kid i lived in the bay area and up there we had this figure called the doggy diner it was also a fast food restaurant it was the head of a dachshund with a chef's cap and a chef's scarf and he kind of he kind of turned on a stick (laughs) and that was the sign for this small chain of restaurants in San Francisco. And as a kid, I just kind of fixated on this dog statue thing and he just made me really happy. So I think, you know, in that way that when you see something, when you're five years old, it becomes super important in your psyche stuff that happens when you're five. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think, um, so when I moved here and I saw Chicken Boy, to me, that they were kin. And he just sort of made me feel better about being here. Because I moved here just to go to school. I didn't know anybody. He was basically my first friend. Were you living in downtown then? Or where were you? I wasn't. I was living in Los Feliz. I rented a room in Los Feliz. But I, gave my, I moved down here five days before school started. And every day I would just get up in the morning and drive. And this is probably the third day, maybe, I decided, oh, hey, I'm going to go to Grand Central Market. And that's when I saw him. Which, of course, is a still very much a remarkable uh, market in downtown L.A. Absolutely. Um, and, of course, L.A. has all sorts of uh, places, many of them now gone, like the Brown Derby, of course, which are uh, of this uh, school of... Uh, Kind of, I don't know how if it's fair to call them oddities because they were uh, unusual 
and and excitingly intriguing places or, or structures or sculptures, mm-hmm. um, but they were far more common. There are ones that are you know were always quite famous. The uh, elephant, mm-hmm. uh, Atlantic City. Where was the Atlantic? That is. I'm going to say Island. New Jersey. Atlantic City, I think. Uh, well, wherever. Uh, I, my mind is shot right. to hell. All right. <laughs> uh, and so these structures are kind of like light bulbs lighting up dim corners of my brain, my memory, but I don't exactly know what the corners are, where they are specifically. <laughs> um, but they are, I'm sure there are some in other countries, but they're classic Americana in, in, in sort of fabulous ways. This is your podcast interlocutor. You may find me more sartorial than professorial. I am, after all, such an adroitly compelling man of fashion. But intellectually, I shake and quail that our dogged podcast team might be failing to put their fingers on the exact location of Lucy the Elephant, that mammoth sculpture built of wood, tin, and iron. She stands six stories tall, five miles from Atlantic City, as always, in Margate City, New Jersey. There since 1881, the oldest surviving roadside attraction in America. Her place in the sun may be something forgotten by our podcasters, but it's something an elephant never forgets. Certainly, Chicken Boy uh, was something you'd notice downtown. I, I remember seeing him there and... Um, but he also uh, has been a chicken boy of several lives. So maybe you can describe what happened. I guess the store. Okay. Uh, well, go ahead. All right. Um, first of all, I mean, he wasn't. What's so interesting to me is he was up on this roof. It was a three-story building, but he was in between two taller buildings. So even during the day, he was often in shadow. And unless you looked up at exactly the right moment, you could very easily miss him and i feel like the same thing happens here on fig i mean he is tall and he's on our roof but it's pretty easy to miss him i have found out do you like that aspect i actually do (laughs) has anybody just sort of like knocked on your door thinking that you like sell like fried chicken yes Really? <laughs> yes, a few times. We've had a number of really pretty funny things. We've had people from other countries that have come to visit. We just had one maybe a week ago. And um, where, where were they? They were from Spain. And they were doing a whole Route 66. They were, were making videos along Route 66. And they um, came specifically to, to see us, which was pretty exciting. Oh, kitty cat's on the Hello, what's this okay. cat's name? This is Rocky. Hey, Rocky. <laughs> um, but anyway, yes, we get, not too often, but we do get knocks on the door. It's happened yeah. with me, uh, with us, a uh, German tourist thinking I'm Paul Newman, the actor. Oh. I don't know my name spelled differently. The middle of the night, and it's like, Really? Hello. That's pretty funny um, that they could find you. Wow. Yeah, well, whereas people who know me, that's the last thing in the world <laughs> they want to do, I guess. Um so, so it was. Uh, it wasn't exactly a place. Uh, excuse me, a, a structure mm-hmm. that that drew everyone's attention at all hours of the day and night. But if you were around there and saw it, you certainly knew it. Um, and then, 
what what proceeded to occur so um yes so i of course saw him and he was i felt like he was my friend so through the years i would just walk by him often really late at night which is kind of why i never ate there um i'm kind of a late night person and i would run all my errands i would like at that time i had to deliver proofs to clients and stuff like that you can just it's okay. Move. We're talking about the kitty cat <laughs> who's getting, ooh. Oh, all right, bye. Tangled up in my wire. So then uh, one day I'm driving by him late at night. And, I mean, seriously, I would just drive down the street and wave, you know, just check, checking in on him. One evening we're driving by, and the place is boarded up with a Lease sign on it. So I write down the number, and I just started to call the number. And I did it sort of a lot every couple of weeks i would just check in with them what's going to happen to the statue what's happening with the building what just please let me know because we don't want anything to happen to the statue so after i'm gonna to my recollection it was maybe a couple of months um they actually called me and said if you're so interested in saving the statue um, come and get him. We have to do some work on the building. We have to basically tear down the top f- two floors of a three-story building. Um, come and get him. Otherwise, we can't guarantee that you know we're not going to just take him out to the desert and use him for target practice or whatever. So at this time, I had employees, and we just made it a studio project. We all got on the phones. We all just said, okay, yeah, this is going to be really funny. And <laughs> started calling moving companies and, you know, friends and trying to see how we could do this. At that time, we seriously took kind of wagers, informal wagers in the office. How tall do you think he is? And we sort of thought between 8 and 10 feet. That was our was a bunch of artists, right? <laughs> so, so then... A couple days after that, well, they only they gave us a limited period of time to make this happen. So we went down there to check it out, and that's when we discovered that he's actually 22 and a half feet tall. But at that point, we were really committed, and it was kind of hilarious in a dumb way. So uh, we said, okay, we can do this. I ha- we're making a little bit of money. We're just going to do this because we're just committed. Uh, and that's kind of how it started. And some of your friends and relatives thought you should be committed, perhaps. Um, well, we didn't tell them. Oh. Okay, even my parents never understood it for, for like forever. Yeah. And so, you also had to deal. Am I correct with probably some city uh, offices and the like? Um, well, to be honest. We should have, <laughs> but we didn't, okay. and that was part of the deal when we were calling up movers. You have to do this in the middle of the night. We don't have time for permits. So, so did you do it in the middle of the night? Yes. <laughs> did you have to take him apart? Well, he we didn't at first, and it turns out he's only in three parts. It's, it's shoulders to feet, the bucket, and the head. So, you know... I mean, the, the main part of his body, that's super bulky and really heavy, and that's probably 16, 17 feet of him right there. At the time, 
because he was attached to the outside of the building, he had steel structure, uh, steel like a skeletal kind of structure inside that we had to take down also. But, you know, we just, the mover had a cherry picker and a flatbed, and he had some dudes who were used to doing all kinds of crazy things, and they did, they went and got him. So where did he go to from downtown? We, at the time, I had a friend who had business with the warehouse, and my friend said, you can store him in the warehouse. So we're like, yeah, okay. So we get the flatbed truck over to the warehouse. This is now probably 6 o'clock in the morning. And discover um, there was no there was no realistic, manageable way to actually get him from the flatbed to the inside of the warehouse. We didn't have a forklift. We didn't have, at the time, I mean, it would have taken eight people, which we just didn't have. So we were kind of stuck. So we had to wait until 9 o'clock in the morning when storage places started to open so we could get some kind of um, out, pay for outdoor storage kind of thing, which is then what happened. And so how long was he there for? He was there for a number of years. It was a small, it was basically a parking lot that somebody was, you know, waiting to sell. So he was in this parking lot for, I'd say, a couple of years. And then they sold the property, and he more or less got evicted. So I had to move him to another bigger storage facility. Oh, you know what happened is um, the city somehow outlawed this particular kind of outdoor storage or something. It was some city thing. So we got, we had to move him to Monterey Park. And then he was there forever. I don't know why, but I'm feeling like like we're talking about caretaking for Howard Hughes. Exactly. <laughs> it is sorrier states so of isolation. And, it and kind of, I mean, you know, and the thing of it is, is all along the way, these little kind of pain pain in the butt things would happen and I don't know in my memory I just think of it all as kind of um kind of funny I guess so so was the goal his survival or did you have in mind a specific vision of display and um did you did you think you might, like, I don't know, take him for a ride somewhere and go gallivanting about or what? We, we had many, a lot of things came up. So the main thing, because the main, our first thought, because we had to go get him so quickly, of course it was just to save him. Because I thought he was important. I thought he meant something to the city and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But um, uh, our first thought, seriously, was just to hand him off. We were just going to be the broker. We're handing him off to a uh, sculpture garden, museum, public park, someplace where he could be taken care of and where people could go see him. We did not think that was going to be a problem at all. But again, part of the adventure, uh, nobody wanted him. Most people didn't respond to my inquiries, packages, whatever. I mean, I'm a graphic designer, so I made a nice-looking proposal um, most of them got completely ignored. Some of them got returned, you know, without even opening it. Uh, once in a while, somebody would say something a little snarky, like, we don't consider this art, <laughs> <laughs> etc. So there was a, a number of, of uh, years of that kind of thing until I kind of realized I'm, maybe it's all up to me. So right? did you ever consider, like, going on tour 
like the chicken boy tour, just like getting a big flatbed and kind of I mean we kind of there were a few things that kind of happened like I always wanted him to be in the Duda parade yeah um, which is in Pasadena in Pasadena and they have this one rule that you cannot use motorized uh, whatever and then that meant I was gonna have to get a boat tri- I mean it just became a very big skateboard it, <laughs> it became stuff like that I can't deal with stuff too complicated like that same thing going on tour i would love that but it just i don't know i don't get too far in that kind of thinking because it just gets too complicated to me really fast although i the doggy diner thing going back to doggy diner there is a guy in the bay area or i think north of uh in maybe Napa Sonoma area um he has collected three of the doggy diner heads and he's got them on a flatbed truck and we've had a couple conversations to maybe try and meet up, but that hasn't gotten too far. But uh, Chicken Boy, am I correct? You've documented how uh, over the years, including back when he was on top of the uh, downtown restaurant, eatery, um, he'd show up occasionally in movies and TV shows and, and photos and the like. Occasionally. Uh, and that's, that still does happen, I assume, that... There's some level of documentation. There's a lot of, I, I have a lot of documentation. The thing that's, one of the things that has been really interesting to me since we put him up here, and this is a commercial district, I used to have my phone number on the door. And I have found people would come and shoot TV shows and not bother to call me. <laughs> um, this has happened a lot. Uh, I don't know. It's just been weird. People think he's completely public domain or I don't know what. Like a pigeon that's just landed on your what, place. Something. And, you know, I'm pretty easy to find, really. You could knock on my door. My phone's on the web. My phone number's on the website, et cetera. But that's sort of also okay with me that he's just this kind of, I don't know, uh, legend. <laughs> so he, he became... Uh, at what stage did he become disembodied where he, different parts were in different places? Well, he, he was built that, oh, in different places. When I, had to, when I ended up having to move him around a few times, we did break him apart. Like, for instance, when I moved him to Monterey Park, in order to fit, this is like sad in a way, but in order to fit him into the parking space, I had to take his head and put it between his legs, <laughs> which is, I have pictures. It's really sad. And... <laughs> And nobody except the people in the back part of the storage unit ever saw him like that. <laughs> and so he's, I don't know if I'm skipping parts of the yep. story, but he's now on top of uh, your studio mm-hmm. space here in Highland Park on Figueroa. Mm-hmm. Um, did you select the place so that it could hold Chicken Boy, or is this happy coincidence, or...? Fate? Um, yes. Yes. We specifically were looking for a spot where he could be seen. And this one has flat roof, and it is historic Route 66. Happy accident. Um, so we were, it didn't, we were not looking to, to move to this neighborhood, honestly. We've been here for a good long time at this point. But um, the, I feel like the space found us. 
in a way, because it's kind of perfect. Yeah. It's kind of perfect. Also, at the time, you know, it was kind of a more, it was not the, it was not the name, it, yeah. it was really different. And um, so, you know, I feel sometimes like if I tried to do this now, I don't know if it would happen. I mean, for one, I couldn't afford it, but. So how long was his, I don't know, call it fugitive state between when uh, he left his downtown perch to actually finding a, we hope in many ways, a permanent home? Oh, it's totally permanent. So how long was it between (laughs) shuffling him around from place to place, furtive looks in every which way? Right. Um, How long until you got him here? It was 23 plus years. Wow. And what was the process of moving him to this, this place? Like on a, a yet another flatbed truck, and yes. how did you get him up above? Oh man! Okay, <laughs> so so yes, we had to call other sign people. I mean, there's all these little funny coincidences along the the way in in this little adventure. But um, uh, Stuart, my partner, was um, I don't know. He was walking out side late at this was a late at night thing and he saw some sign guy doing sign work up the street and he got this guy's info and we called them and they ended up being able to do the whole thing for a price we could afford because I had been calling other sign companies and getting just crazy estimates so they said they would do it and um, we we knew that you know we had to have the contract beforehand before they saw how crazy this was going to be and so they agreed to do it for a set price I actually got at the time uh the city had community beautification I applied for a grant and I actually got a little bit of money from them um I had been saving up for years because I had to do this so we got the sign company it did take them three days prior to that was three or four, maybe even five years of city planning, structural engineering, um, blah, blah, blah. And it was only because I, I just wanted things to happen in a certain way. We had a structural engineer that was, is a historic preservation guy, and I felt like if his name's on the plan, it's just going to make it a little bit easier. And he's really, really busy all the time, so I just let him take his time and do it. He said he would, and he did, but that took a few years, right? Um, I mean, everything just kind of fell into place pretty nicely. At what point, uh, I mean, obviously he, he uh, as you said, a number of times maybe have been, has been in more than one, uh, has been in different pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, how often now, how often before, if at all, have you done any retouching or right. shower and shaving, <laughs> whatever it may be? Yes. Boy. We kind of estimated, we do use really good sign paint on him, but he's in the sun. So we kind of estimated, oh my gosh, I hope he goes 10 years without needing repainting. But at about seven years, he was looking pretty sad. And um, so I got, what did I do? I, what's this? How did this happen exactly? Um, yeah, okay. So I was trying to um, get him repainted. And I did a little sort of GoFundMe-ish thing because at this point, honestly, the repainting was going to cost as much as the first installation. 
Mm. It just is insane. So um, uh, here's the other part of this kind of funny story. We share the roof with a billboard, and the billboard is kind of a grandfathered-in deal. We have tried to get rid of it, kind of couldn't for any number of reasons. We ended up making a deal with the billboard company, and they are now doing the maintenance on him, which is kind of a cool deal because um, it's a lot of work that, again, I'm not that interested in doing. They know what they're doing. They had, like, seriously, these guys are so awesome. There was three guys who are, like, my size. They hauled up scaffolding, set up (laughs) scaffolding, climbed up there. They matched the colors really perfect, painted him, took two days. It was fantastic. Now they're supposed to do it every couple of years. So, and they also uh, did uplights on him. So now he's uplit every night in time with the billboard. So that's you know, that's. That, doesn't he have historic status now? I mean, not yet. Yeah. Okay. That's one thing I'm working on this year with the help of the Highland Park Heritage Trust. They're going to help me write the nominations. There have been uh, a serious number of accolades and articles praising Chicken Boy and and uh, awards. Mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say. And um, I know you said he got here. The neighborhood, as happens, communities change, neighborhoods change. In L.A., that's certainly the case. Highland Park is uh, a community that's uh, undergoing, among other things, a lot of gentrification, uh, a lot of hipster presence. Uh, not well in all parts of many parts of Highland Park um, there are a lot of very trendy places and in a way I think Chicken Boy has kind of uh, watched all this happen totally and and does represent an interesting uh, kind of I don't want to say bridge because I feel like I'm mixing metaphors Mm -hmm. but but does represent something that is both really kind of cool and hip but also that is, uh, in some ways, basic to an older Los Angeles uh, or the presence of, of a Los Angeles that hasn't totally gone away mm-hmm. and is kind of shepherding us in, if you will, into uh, the future. Hence, maybe the aptness of him being astride uh, future studio. And so I was wondering if you could, uh, even while I think maybe acknowledging that he sort of overshadows a lot of things or at least lends his his uh his presence to a lot of different mm-hmm. activities you do there's all sorts of chicken boy and chicken related memorabilia mm-hmm. around and about the studio some for sale mm-hmm. and everyone in this uh, <laughs> audience should should really check out your Very the cool website stuff. because yes. there's just some lovely stuff uh for sale at very affordable rates <laughs> thank you um but you also have, are very involved as an artist, as a community person, and uh, as a book uh, mm-hmm. publisher, entrepreneur, designer, mm-hmm. what have you. So I was wondering if you would please be so kind as to just spell out some of the other stuff you, you do. Sure. Or interrelated stuff, if that's yeah. what it is. Well, I mean, we do like to think of ourselves as sort of a community space for... Yeah, I mean, we, we, we all are just watching what's happening on this street, and it's, it's a mixed blessing, maybe. Um, I'm not really sure. 
but um, you know, what can I do? This is my space, and this is all what I have control over, um, including Chicken Boy. And you know, we all we all are just like looking out the window, watching what's happening, and not kind of knowing quite what to make of it. But what we try and do is make this space. Uh, I mean, we do have art events here. I have other. I let people use it for different cultural events if if I like them, and if it's fun. Um, we've done some video premiere things here. I've let a few people film here. We've done some music. Um, we have community meetings. Um, you know, just sort of I want it to be a really casual space where everybody is welcome. We don't ask that. I mean, you know, our art openings, they're free. We have snacks. Um, my little shop, it's not open that often, but I'm really into souvenir culture, and I love L.A. souvenirs in particular, which are a little hard to find really good ones. So I like to think I'm contributing in some way to that. So I have my little shop and it, it is very affordable. So what, what is the website? Uh, address? yes. Okay. So you can see the story of chicken boy at chickenboy.com, And then there's chickenboyshop.com, which is my gift shop. And does that also uh, showcase some of the books? And could you just mention a, sure. a few of the books that you've been involved with? Absolutely. So I do a lot of work for Los Angeles-based publishers. So a lot of the content is L.A. stuff. So like, for instance, I recently did the sixth updated Gebhardt in Winter Architectural Guide to L.A., which is like, what, almost 600 pages of Guide to Architecture. I did the book on uh, City Hall. I did a really fantastic cookbook called, um, oh my gosh, I'm losing it, Legendary, <laughs> it's George Gary, it's Legendary Restaurants of Los Angeles. Um, I know the that's The ones not, that exist now or had existed? Had existed. Hmm. And some that are still around, like, of course, um, Tam O'Shanter is in there. Sure. Um, but it's mostly it's mostly places that are no longer here. But it's it's recipes and it's also vintage images. I do a lot of stuff like and that. Are any of the recipes for the drinks that they served? Yes, I assumed as much. <laughs> yes. Also, I work with. I'm a part of the. I'm the president of a group called Photo Friends LAPL. We are the support group for the photo collection of the Central Library, and we do our own publishing as well. We do books on all kinds of. And that, that photo history is, uh, and thanks to you and, and uh, the organization and the library, the Central Library, it's just an amazing resource, an amazing asset. I, as I think I may have emailed you, I saw a photo uh, on the, on the uh, New York Times just a couple days ago where the, there was a credit given, and uh, it, the photos are so extensive. It's both a boon if you love anything about Los Angeles. Not everyone does. Uh, if you're curious about the past of a city that has oftentimes obliterated its past, as a, so almost as, as a wishful uh, pursuit, um, you see many things about LA, but also, of course, Los Angeles being a great city. Uh, some fantastic, wonderful stuff has happened here. Uh, of course, great celebrities. Mm -hmm. uh, if you love cinema at all, or television, or the arts at all, there's so much of it that's happened here. Restaurants, mm -hmm. classic dining places, weird stuff uh, of all kinds, um, good and evil has occurred here. And you just, 
and, and the capacity to, to see those photos, thanks to the library and Photo Friends, is just wonderful. And I know that the Photo Friends, a while back, I don't know how long ago at this point, they invited families to come and share their photos mm -hmm. and then copy them for the collection. Mm -hmm. And there were some amazing you know, photos of like African-American families yes. at the beach when it was restricted. Yes. And it was just a wonderful thing to do to get these family photos yes. and now part of the collection. So when you didn't go to the uh, ch to Chicken Boy, the restaurant, yes. um, when you uh, nonetheless were around and about, yes. Uh, would you go to Gorky's or Vickman's or Vickman's, yeah. Clifton's? Um, Clifton's. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know about uh, uh, pickles. What, Vick, saying, Vickman's, Vickman's pickles, pickles and pies, yes. but pies. also uh, the, the place that now I guess Mayor Reard and former Mayor. Owns, yes, um, I cannot think of the name. The pantry, the pantry, pantry. Mm -hmm. and of course places maybe close uh, a little away from uh, downtown. But there the were Atomic places. Cafe. The Ships. Atomic Cafe, <laughs> Ships. Ships. Um, with the toasters. Yes, the toasters. And mm, the miss them. Pies miss and them. Um, well, so do you have any uh, prophetic? Oh, I, I do want to ask two quick questions. One is, to some of us, of us, this seems almost naturally to take on the aura of a of a conceptual art piece. The, just the actual uh, tending to Chicken Boy, mm -hmm. the project aspects of of all the the paperwork and the whether or not uh, one went through every step or managed to sidestep a few steps. Um, do you see it in that light, the, the adventure of it, or is it really just the earnest uh, want to make sure that something precious to you right. as your childhood right. fidelity to another uh, such piece of art was? Is it, is it just keeping that flame going, or is it also just sort of a, a whimsical take on something that actually was exhausting and heroic and Herculean, right. which is 20-plus years <laughs> yes. of getting Chicken Boy to, on top of something else? Yes, so it's a combination of all of that, absolutely. When I, the, I often describe this as the, when I said yes, I will take this statue slash piece of art slash cultural monument, whenever you want to say, funny guy, my substitute son. I basically feel like I got on a conveyor belt, and the conveyor belt just kept going, okay? And whatever I had to do to take care of him, I had to do. So I knew, like, you know, I always, I, didn't, I mean, I'm moderately successful, but I always knew I was going to have to pay for this. So I always put aside money. Do you know, something's going to happen. I need to be able to put him on the roof because nobody else is going to do it. Stuff like that. But at the same time, because I went to art school, I know about Christo. <laughs> Christo is one of my heroes. So he sort of taught me to look at this whole thing as an art project. Yes, even the very frustrating, bureaucratic parts of it became part of the whole story. And I'm totally willing, that was part of being on the conveyor belt, right? Okay, so I had to go to building and safety X number of times. I just did it. Wasn't that much fun, but, you know, I had to do it. I was committed. Well, I think it was, for some reason, I think it was a John Retchie book, um, in which he, he, I don't know if he came up with this or not, called uh, Los Angeles the City of Lost Angels. And it's always nice when, for those of us who 
don't instantly embrace the next thing coming down the pike. It's always nice to know that there are people who are stubborn enough or gallant <laughs> enough uh, to actually try to ensure that something that captures the imagination can still do that for others uh, in the future. Certainly in the present, because uh, you know, not maybe not everybody sees uh, mm-hmm. Chicken Boy. Maybe he is a bit in the shadows at times, and mm-hmm. that is part of the charm, I think. But uh, it's great that that certainly we know that uh, if brought up in conversation to people from Los Angeles, many will go, "Yeah, what is that? <laughs> and isn't that what you want everybody Absolutely. to say all the yeah. time yes. in life to you about anything that you have to do with?" So, so this is just a, such a great success story, uh, and. I just want to thank you so much. Thank you for saving Chicken Boy. Oh, thank well, all of Chicken us. Boy. Thanks. Uh, my soul is next on your list, I hope. <laughs> uh, but so uh, thank you. And again, could you, Amy, in a way, yep. please once more recite the varied uh, websites or other ways that people, that you feel comfortable putting sure. out to the unknown ether here, that, they, how they can reach you? I think they're all kind of, I think there are links to each other, but I have chickenboy.com, which basically tells the story of Chicken Boy and has a photo gallery, et cetera, which need, it does need to be updated. I have a lot more stuff that I've been unearthing. Chickenboyshop.com is my little gift shop, which has also some art stuff. And also the Potholder Shop, which I believe I'm the only one who's got that, which are these beautiful custom quilted potholders uh, that a friend of mine's mom makes. Uh, and then there's futurestudio.com, which has um, my book design work. And as far as uh, Chicken Boy memorabilia, though the books are, there's really uh, a lovely assortment of books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying I remember on the website what's featured, but I, I know from past books, book events, uh, there's just, just every book that seems to come your way or leave your way is just mm-hmm. a tremendously beautiful, wonderful thing to want to have or give as a present or what have you. Um, but some of the Chicken Boy memorabilia that, that people can purchase mm-hmm. uh, using actual currency yes. would include T-shirts, which are uh, priced in the realm of... 20 bucks. And what can you just mention some of the other types yeah, of you trinkets bet. and other things? Floaty pins. That's a big one. Floaty pin. Um, I have a treasure box, which is actually him on a pedestal that looks like the Statue of Liberty's pedestal, and there's a little surprise inside. Um, what else do I have? Is a floaty pen the kind that you turn upside yeah. down? Yes. Is that a, that's actually the name for yes. floaty pen? Wow. Floaty pen. Yes. Darn it! Why did I know that? <laughs> or I feel so floating humbled. floating action pen, okay, nicknamed floaty. Yes. Um, and uh, so there, and, and countless other uh, yes. Uh, I myself make a chicken boy sock monkey. Yes. <laughs> so all of you out there, please go out and embrace the inner chicken boy as well as the outer chicken boy. Uh, mm-hmm. And so thank you again, Amy Inouye, Renee Nahum. This is Paul Michael Newman, and we're checking out now. Uh, but again, please visit those websites. You'll ha- enjoy it immensely. Take care. Bye-bye. Let's give credit to our sterling, steadfast podcast team of Renee and Paul, both still young toddlers and avid learners of the job. Shout aloud, huzzah, for the music courtesy of that legendary figure of sound, Fingers Del Rey. Our thanks go to Amy Inouye and Chicken Boy. Let's hope he never flies his coop. 
And folks, if you want to share a comment, question, or idea, including about future guests and topics, please email us at slannunciator at gmail.com. Visit the Silver Lake Annunciator websites at slannunciator.com and beg your friends to do likewise to see our ever-increasing bundle of podcasts and other goodies. And on that call for action, I, your podcast interlocutor, bid thee adieu. It's like a vision that comes in dreams. You try to figure out exactly what it means. And when the story comes to an end, we'll still be free. No matter where you are